Hello, welcome once again to Political Dharma, and I'm Alan Zundel. This may be the last regular program for a while. My topic for today is going to be how to move forward in the kind of electoral environment that we have in the United States. Now, don't jump to conclusions. Bear with me, because I think the kind of strategy that I'm going to outline is one that you're very unlikely to have heard of from anyone else. Let me first say, though, that I have been getting more active lately. As I've mentioned several times on this show, I think it's important to start moving from reflection and talking about theory and history and what we can learn from those to moving forward into action. And since crossing fingers, it may be that the most dangerous part of the pandemic is passing. Maybe time to get much more active than I've been lately. And I have been getting a little more active lately. And I've had to confront the fact that as I get more active politically, I will have even less time to devote to this show. And if I want this show to reach any more than the few faithful followers I now have, I'm going to have to put time into creating content, time into upgrading production values, and time into trying to promote the show in some way to reach more people. Since there's only limited time in the week and uh, my energy level is not what it used to be when I was younger, I have to confront the fact that as I get more active, I'm going to have to do less with this show. So I've determined that this is probably going to be the last show that I produce. At least the rest, last regular episode, doing it on a weekly basis. I may come back at some point in the future to give you a check-in on what I'm doing, but that seems a little futile because I'm going to lose the few viewers I have if I'm not producing content regularly. Anyway, so what is the strategy for moving forward that I'm going to pursue at this time? I think it, it entails electoral activity. Now remember, I said don't jump ahead of me because I know a lot of people are discouraged with elections and electoral activity and voting for good reasons. And it may be that even with the best strategy for influencing the electoral arena, you can get people into office and they still won't be able to get anything done because our political system does not favor movement toward any particular goals. Uh, if you capture the House of Representatives, which is going to be hard enough, you have to capture the Senate, you have to get the presidency, and then you have to change a lot of laws and practices that have been in place for a long time, capture state houses, governorships. I mean, there's just so many different um, points of influence within our political system that any electoral strategy, even if it succeeds in Electing more and more people is going to be difficult to pursue an agenda. So why do I talk about electoral activity? Now, even if we can't get people elected, I think it's worth pursuing electoral activity for a couple of reasons. Number one, the only other recourses to getting people into government are doing things like mass protest or direct action organizing, like organizing unions at workplaces, um, marches, uh, civil disobedience, all those kind of things. But they also depend upon an environment of laws and governmental support to get anywhere. That is, if 
any of these types of actions outside of the electoral arena start to get somewhere, you will find that the laws and the police powers of the state will confront you and will try to stop what you're doing and reverse it and discredit it. So there has to be some way of facing the electoral system that convinces people that you have some legitimacy in what you're doing. And why I say that is because a lot of people in this country are either, number one, totally discouraged from political action and won't do anything, or number two, they feel like the legitimate way to pursue political change is through the electoral system. You need mass support to confront the power of the state. There's just no two ways about it. This is not a country in which we're going to have a small band of armed revolutionaries taking over the government. Not that I would even like that to happen because I'm not a big believer that violence can create a better world. But if you're going to get a mass movement behind anything, you have to at least show that you're trying to pursue arenas in which you have some legitimacy in order to gain a hearing. People pay attention to elections. They don't always pay attention to other types of movements unless they're getting somewhere. So to reach the people who are not very active or to reach the people who believe elections give legitimacy, you've got to show that you've been pursuing that action and, and bring out into the open the ways in which the electoral system is stacked against the people in general. I don't see any other way around that than having electoral arm to any overall strategy. Could be wrong, but this is why I talk about elections. Now, don't jump ahead of me again, because I do know that any strategy for elections in the kind of electoral system we have in the United States, at least in most of the states, is not going to be able to get any far, get very far. You take working in the Democratic Party, and you find that in the primaries, you have just, in most states, just Democratic voters can vote, and those Democrats are I'm dissenting here from the usual picture of those being the most radical or most left-wing of the uh, of the Democrats. I would say, no, they are the most party faithful Democrats, the ones that most believe in the proposition that getting Democrats in office is the most important thing. Keeping Republicans out of office is the most important thing. They're likely to support Democratic candidates on the basis of how well, they think that candidate's going to do against a Republican, which means the candidate has to have lots of money, lots of name value, have proven themselves in lower office. And that means that you're going to get candidates that are beholden to corporate donors and big money and uh, part of the political machine that gets along to go along or goes along to get along with other Democrats in office. You're not going to be able to overcome that <clears throat> in Democratic-controlled primaries because most Democratic primary voters, the ones that are likely to turn out in a primary, are going to be the ones that are most faithful to the party and most um, unquestioning of the party's role in the government. They're going to see it in a more positive light that they really are trying. And those people are going to crowd you out of the primary. It's going to be really hard to build a primary coalition among Democrats that's big enough and strong enough to overcome the advantages of candidates backed by the Democratic political machine, as I would call it. Let me pause here to take a little drink of tea. Most wet, wet my whistle and to uh, give me a little perk up in the morning. So I know that the working within Democratic parties is really tough, really hard. 
Now, third parties, as you can see, they rarely win unless it's a nonpartisan election, in which case you don't need a party, right? The reason to have a third party is to have the name of the party on the ballot and be able to get people on the ballot with your party name. If you're running in nonpartisan elections and winning, don't need a party. So what is the point of third parties when they can't win? And they can't win because of the kind of electoral system we have keeps them marginalized. And I've talked about this a lot. First past the post, whatever you want to call it, where you can pick only one candidate and the candidate with the most votes wins. Almost impossible for third parties to get anywhere in a system like that because they just can't show the public that they're worthy of being taken seriously because they can't win uh, when they get get a substantial number of voters behind them, then they're knocked back because they're accused of being spoilers. It's just a no-win situation. So I know those things. I know third parties seem futile and probably are, and I know working within Democratic primaries seems futile and most often is. Occasionally you are able to elect someone, but they're kind of lone dissenting voices in the wilderness up there in office in Washington, D.C. or in the State House or wherever else. So I know electoral action is not very hopeful, but as I said, I think you need to have a means of running candidates in order to put a message out to the larger public, show that you're trying to gain legitimacy, reach more people, and demonstrate to people why this is futile in a most dramatic form. That is, when you when you have a type of organization that is has an electoral arm, and people can see that okay, you're doing, you're reaching people with your message, but you're not really get getting much. Um, even though you're gaining support, you can't win under the current system. That's going to help convince people they need to change the system or support you in other ways in other endeavors. In other, in other words, it's a way to reach more people and build a mass movement through electoral activity. That's the most um, accessible means of reaching people with a message, kind of like Bernie Sanders did right? He didn't win the presidency, but he changed the way people talk about things. There's more talk about uh, health insurance for all. There's more talk about the minimum wage. There's more talk about getting more progressives into office. There's just a lot more excitement. When he got stymied in his strategy, couldn't win the presidential uh, primaries, uh, discouraged a lot of people, but still he changed the political scene by going out with that message as he did. So what kind of strategy is there? Now, think of what a political party is. Essentially, it's an organization of people who are trying to change the government policy or change, change the direction of the government by getting people elected to office or by running candidates for office, right? The problem is when you try to follow the legal methods of creating a party. That is, you try to qualify as a party recognized by the state and therefore can get names on the ballot. What I'm going to say here is we should form a political party that doesn't attempt to gain that kind of formal status as a party. That way you can include people who want to remain with the Democratic Party and try to um, vote in the primaries for Democratic candidates. You want, you can include people who have joined third parties and are trying to pursue that direction. You can include independents and non-affiliated voters. That is, you can build cross-party coalitions where now people with similar visions, whether it's progressive or a little bit farther to less like socialists, they're being divided, particularly by party lines, by all these questions of, well, should we or should we, shouldn't we engage in electoral 
action, or if we do, which party should we be backing or joining or registering with, whatever. Forget that. Forget the lines. Forget the boundaries. Create an organization that's dedicated to running candidates and trying to help get them elected however they get on the ballot, whatever way the candidate chooses. If they're Democrat you can, and, and there's somebody you want to support as an organization, and raise money for them. You can hand out flyers. You can do all kinds of things without actually joining the party and you know, voting in their primary as a, as a registered primary member. Some of your folks will be able to do that. Excuse me, I just bumped the microphone, <laughs> gesturing a lot. And some will be able to help in other ways. So you can run them as a Democrat. You can run them as a Green Party candidate. You can run them through another party's ballot line, or you can run them as an independent by finding out what the laws are about getting independence on the ballot and drawing on your membership to gather signatures, for example, or whatever it takes to get them on the ballot. So you can back a candidate despite their party affiliation. As long as you can build a coalition of people, a, a, a movement, an organization that's willing to act together to back the same candidate. All right. So it has to be strategic cannot be simply everybody pulling for people, you know, backing my particular candidate, my, you know, the person in the party that I think has the best chance of winning. It has to be strategic, has to narrow down to some kind of way of selecting candidates to back, particularly if the organization has limited resources to begin with. Focusing your efforts on a particular candidate is the best way to make an impact. If you can say you were a significant contributor to getting some candidate either elected or at least getting a much higher percentage of the vote than expected, you're likely to make news and get your message out further. So you want to break that barrier of saying that, you know, you have to join one party or another. You got to get people together around a common message who are willing to back candidates from various parties or as independents. Now, how do you create that selection process? I would say my thinking right now is not creating a formal organization in any way, but somehow uh, creating an online platform for discussions about which candidates would be the best to support, and here's the strategic reasons why. They're the best carrier of your message, or they have a decent chance of gaining major support, or, you know, strategic with message, with um, their dedication to the causes that you believe in, whatever it is, on this online conversation, people can make arguments about which candidates they should focus on in a particular electoral season, and then people could vote on the particular comments that people make that they find the most persuasive. And as a, uh, a case is being made for a particular candidate to be backed, and more and more people are voting for that statement, and it goes up, and there would be a way of showing folks who visit your online site or your website or whatever you have, that these are the candidates that are getting the most support in the online conversation for these reasons. That is just reproduce the argument that's getting the most support for which candidate to back. And then the folks who are part of your network, part of that online conversation, or at least interested in following it and hearing what the outcome is, would see which candidate is getting the most support in that conversation and for what reasons, why they should back them. They not, I wouldn't ask anyone to say you have to follow that because there'd be a lot of other considerations any individual might make depending on where they're at or how they dissent from the general views 
of the overall groups in what ways they dissent or have different ideas. But it'd be a way of signaling to people this is the strongest argument among people who think somewhat alike for a particular candidate devoting our resources to them. Asking people now, if you are persuaded by this and if we're all together on this, enough of us are together on this, then we can make a significant difference by donating, donating to this candidate, giving them volunteer support, asking other people to vote for them, and voting for them yourself if you're, if you're qualified to vote for them, you know, depending on whether it's a primary election or a general election. That's a way of getting a lot of people together behind particular candidates. And then you can decide, especially if you have limited time and money to devote to electoral action, as most of us do, because we're not in the top 1% and we don't have a lot of money to spend. I always find it a um, challenge to determine if I've got a little bit of money to spend donating to politicians in election, where am I going to donate it? Where am I going to do the most good? And if I knew everybody else had converged, or a lot of us who have similar ideas had converged on a particular candidate and said, this is where we're going to focus our efforts and this is the one we're going to support, then I would be more inclined to spend my limited resources on that person, even if they're in another state or another district, whatever. So that's my general concept of this. You know, it's, it's um, creating a party that's not a formal party. It's cross-party lines, actually. The difficulty here is finding the platform or the basis or the philosophical basis to bring people together around. Now, I know progressives have, a, have a, a lot of support right now, but I find that their platform is kind of vague. You know, there's, there's a whole host of issues. I talked about this in my last show, I think. There's a whole host of issues they're supporting, and different people would prioritize different parts of that platform. So it's not a really tightly focused platform. And I'm to the left, the progressives in, in general. I'm more of a socialist. So I'm not as persuaded by the general viewpoint of social, of progressives um, to stick with kind of a capitalist framework and do some redistribution and regulation and more public programs. Um, and that's the problem, that, you know, we don't agree with each other on everything. So I'm a little to the left of progressives. Some people are even more to the left of me. Whatever. I've decided that if I'm going to pursue this, I'm going to pursue it as a self-identified socialist, by which, as I can continually repeat, I primarily mean I believe that we have to replace the system in which work organizations are devoted to making money for investors rather than serving the public good and treating workers well. I believe that's the fundamental feature of capitalism that needs to be changed. What I find difficult in socialism is that it also doesn't have a coherent underlying philosophy now. The, the strongest Political philosophy in socialism is, of course, Marxism. Marx lived over 150 years ago. That's when he was writing. Things have changed a lot. A lot of people have commented on weaknesses in his arguments or ways that his expectations were defeated. But he still has a lot to say. So I think, you know, that has to inform a movement. But you can't build a movement simply around Marxism, although a lot of people try to do that because people can see now that not everything in Marxism holds up very well. And the thing I was planning to talk about today, but rejected for this topic instead, was the topic of materialism, not materialism, but socialism and spirituality. 
Socialism is often identified with atheism or at least radical skepticism towards any kind of religious spiritual viewpoint. Uh, there's a disjunction. It's people who say you got to have a materialist basis for organizing that is organized on the basis of people's position in the working class rather than through any ethical program or any uh, philosophical program. Any idealism is what they would call it. I, I think both those ideas need to be challenged because at the time socialists were first getting started, the religion they were familiar with was the uh, Western European Christianity of the churches of that time. You know, now we have a great deal more knowledge about the sources of spirituality. It's not simply class position, but there's a, it, you might call it the problem of subjectivity. And Marx has been criticized on these grounds a lot. He said the fundamental basis of politics and how it manifests is class struggle. And I agree with that. But I don't agree that all ideas, ideologies, ethics, religious views, any of those kind of cultural or ideological um, parts of human life are purely reflections of class struggle. I don't agree with that. I think there's separate sources for our ideas about things like that. Of course, it's a very mixed bag. But what I was saying is we've had a lot more contact with Eastern religions. We know a lot more about the psychological processes that some kind of spiritual practices um, invoke in people like meditation or here I'm getting a little further off. But today is very common, at least in some circles, is hallucinogens and the effect they can have on human consciousness. So I think what Marx didn't cover very well was human subjectivity and how people come to the positions, the understandings, the ideas they have. It's not all a reflection of material basis of society and the working conditions. It has something to do with a sense of transcendence of the self, the sense of transformation of a person's consciousness, um, and religion in the formal sense, the practices, the dogmas in that is only a, a small part of that. Because even in Christianity, as we've learned more in the last 50 years or so, there's mystic traditions, there's dissensions from the overall narrative of literal, historical, biblical fundamentalism. There's a lot of spiritual aspects that, uh, that we weren't as conscious of, that they weren't, that Europeans at that time, back in the 1800s, we're not as conscious of. So I think it has to be a socialism that has a opening for how to affect human subjectivity and change the kind of people we want to be because we can't build a different society unless we change ourselves as people, right? So what does it mean to grow? And a lot of interesting things that I've been thinking about having to do with Marx and his uh, understanding of species beings and the practices of some spiritualities, like when monks remove themselves from the world, what they're essentially doing is removing themselves from participating in the class struggle because they're not really engaged that much in uh, the common modes of production. They're living very, very simply, not supporting families, and they can spend a lot of time within kind of just detached or un unattached or separated from the common cultural understandings and from the necessity of participating in the mode of production of the time. And I think it can. It, what it did do is help break them free of the consciousness uh, of the time and help them 
understand themselves better as human beings fundamentally, what Marx would call the species being that he expects to emerge from the change of society. So I think spirituality has to be a component of, I think strategy has to be a component of it because uh, I think some of the uh, strategies that have already pursued have not worked as well. I think we have to think about more how to organize not only around position and class, but ideas and uh, ethical things because that moves a lot of people that are in the middle people that feel they have somewhat of a stake in the system because they've got a good job or they feel secure in some ways, they'll be moved more by ethical arguments and understanding why this system is leading us all to destruction than they will be by purely class-based appeals. So a lot of thoughts about that. The problem is these are just my thoughts. We all need to talk. We all need to come to an understanding of what the basis for a movement can be. I don't know if that's possible. That's what I want to try to do. At least find other people that are interested in thinking around the same lines, try to organize a core group, get this strategy implemented of creating a cross-party, non-party party, and seeing how far we can go. I want to spend more time on that, less time on these shows. So I'm not sure when I'll be back. Not sure when I started this, uh, this particular podcast or how long I've been talking. So I guess I'll end it there. Um, say to those of you who have been following me, I thank you very much for following me. Not sure when or where I'll appear again online. I do hope you try to keep in touch, or at least if you're interested in talking, get in touch. Put a message on my YouTube channel or, you know, find me, dig me out somewhere. You know, I've got emails posted online here and there, and I'm on Facebook uh, contact me if you want to talk about this kind of stuff. Be glad to talk to just about anyone and try to move forward because we need to do something. That's it. Thank you. Goodbye. Wish you well. Please, I see the chains are breaking. We gained our focus. The moves we're making will prove to determine our self-worth as a passenger on the vehicle earth.